0: Cue motivational music. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name's Dean and I'm a designer on a quest. A quest to further understand the creative industry and learn as much as this noggin will hold. Join me as I share my discoveries and tap into the minds of some of the most well-respected creatives in the world. This is my creative therapy. Hello and welcome to episode 5. Today I'm joined by Gordon Reed, whose CV alone is enough to make the average designer crawl into a corner and cry. definitely speaking from experience. From Saatchi and Saatchi to Google to now running the show at Middleboop in London, his portfolio includes some insane work. Definitely check him out at middleboop.com. He's also a DNAD judge. Uh, does talks all over the world on design and creativity and in this episode we're going to be talking about his journey how he started and what separates the good from the awesome when entering a dnad award so your cv is super impressive can you start by telling us a bit about how you got into the industry and how you got to where you are now
1: you know i started off as an illustrator so um I was an illust- I came straight out of uni and wanted to do illustration. Um, okay, cool. So again, uh, I guess because I didn't have that sort of guidance at, uh, at uni that I might have wanted. Um, at one point, I tried to get onto the graphic design course, and that didn't quite work. So I, um, yeah, I just sort of followed what I was enjoying doing, which was collage work, Nice. because I can draw. So my way of um, expressing myself was was through collage work and i found some amazing artists that had done that work which inspired me to then go well maybe i can do this um and then just developed it developed my style moved more into vector work uh, a few years down the line after doing a lot of editorial work and music work i kind of started more really working for bands uh generally um and it was it was only really a few years on, when I'd done quite a lot of editorial and music work, when I started getting into advertising, and I kind of really got in through the back door, to be honest. It was sort of, you know, about eight years ago, nine years ago, there was that sort of boom of infographics.
0: Remember that? What, is it infographics as long as your arm?
1: Yeah, yeah. They <laughs> just strap down the fucking page, don't they? They just keep going <laughs> yeah, and going. Yeah. No one reads them. No one ever read them.
0: No, no, uh, I know exactly what you mean
1: yeah well you would do it at the Met, I suppose, but you've got
0: infographics. well that's it yeah absolutely and the the challenge i guess is to try and split those infant infographics up into you know bite-sized pieces and make it as digestible as possible for the consumer well yeah. that's the challenge these days but back then there wasn't really any social media so there was just like whack it on a web page or print it out as long as you want yeah
1: what a um, waste of time that was, but, um, it was great for me. It made me loads of money. So, uh,
0: awesome. <laughs> so I it.
1: Of money, it made me enough money to move out of my mum's house. That's for sure. Um, but awesome. it, what it also did was get me, um, a load of contacts in advertising because I guess, uh, at that time, there weren't really many people that, that you know, because you had so many bad ones. And I'm not saying mine were much better, but uh, they were really, some of them were fucking awful. Um, So to have someone that, um, I think a lot of, like, you know, I had an agent and I had people that worked with me that were getting me work. And I think they found it it quite hard trying to place where my work would be. And I realized that I needed more of a niche. If I was to progress this and make this this a proper career that could develop, uh, there needed to be something more to kind of, put my hat on so at the time the infographics were really handy actually because everyone wanted them um so i I mean the first one i did was for adam and eve um before they yeah uh, before they joined up with ddb i think Ah, it's ddb yeah yeah Um, they were fantastic it was it was good like three weeks just working from home i didn't have a studio at the time and it was for, I think it was for Halifax or something like that. And, but that, that was a bit of a, that was a bit of an in because then it sort of snowballed like everything else. You know, you you do an album cover, then suddenly you've done 10 album covers because people then trust the fact that you've done one to a good standard. So it was a bit like that. So it was infographics for a long time. Um, but then people started to notice my illustration work more through the infographics. So uh, okay. I started working with gray. I was working with gray maybe six years ago, I guess. Um, and I, that was a cool time cause I was touring with a band at the time. And so I was doing, fest, they were doing festival runs at the weekend. So I was driving them and selling merch at the weekends okay. and then coming back and working in advertising in the week. Um, Boom. nice. I was
0: knackered. <laughs> that's a good gig. Excuse the pull. Yeah,
1: right. it was good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. So your illustration style was sort of embedded within these infographics and that's kind of what uh stood you apart from the normal infographic designer, I guess.
1: I think so. Yeah. Um and it, it definitely it, it, yeah, it opened a lot of doors. Um but it was it was then because I didn't really want to do infographics cuz fucking why would you but it, um <laughs> but it was great because it was, when it, those doors were open then you could just convince people like, actually this is this is what i really do mm. um, so i worked with a lot of advertising agencies like i, I did um a lot of work with mccann nice uh, cool gray mccann who else a bunch of the big boys and that was before saatchi wow um, And actually, with McCann, that was my first real art directors' art directorial gig as well. Because, um, how old were you then? Oh, uh, McCann, I must have been how old am I now? 32 25, maybe 24. That's
0: that's pretty impressive. Thank you. Yeah, wow, okay,
1: (laughs) yeah. Um, and that was great. That was so I had uh, because I was they'd seen the illustration work I did, Mm. I was working on on a couple of campaigns and they. Had this book, kind of. I suppose it was a creds book, really, but um, a little bit more than that for McCann. Um, so yeah, we we worked through the different illustration styles and commissioned a guy Toby Toby Triumph, who who still does does amazing work. Um, briefed him, worked with him directly, and I was building the book. I was designing the book, typesetting getting everything else together he was illustrating and I was directing him but it was only a few years later when I was at Saatchi when I realized I wanted to be an art director and I was thinking well I don't know can I do this and I thought actually yeah by this point I'd art directed quite a few <laughs> campaigns myself anyway so um but yeah no I think yeah there was there's a lot going on before Saatchi there was a lot yeah. of people that I've met um, in fact, my friend Kev, who um, was one of the head resource guys at Sachi, he was working at Gray at the time, mm. which is how I ended up at Saatchi because I dropped him again. I was still pushing illustration, um, so I sent him a little book. I had I used to send out these like concertina books, sixteen-panel A five books, yeah, my work on, and I'd sent him one to try and get some illustration work from Saatchi. Um, and he just phoned me up and said, in fact, the story goes, he uh, we set a meeting up and my friends at that point were playing two gigs at the roundhouse, days, two days back to back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I missed the meeting because I partied quite hard. <laughs> Emailed the wrong Kevin to say that i won't be able to make, make the meeting oh wow uh and that was that and i realized a couple of weeks later like i was like it's a bit rude kev didn't even reply to my email <laughs> and then i realized what had happened um but it was weird it was just like before i'd even i was like "Fuck! i've gotta phone this guy back and um but before i even had the chance to he phoned me up and he just said um you missed that meeting didn't you Oh, mate, I'm so sorry. I, I, I couldn't. I was so embarrassed. Like I've never done anything like that before, and uh, he just stopped me before I could come up with some bullshit. And he just said, just just come in and work. We've worked together before. It's all good. Um, we need someone for three weeks." Um, so I went in, and I pretty much cancelled everything. I realised that um, very early on that it was a really good gig. Really great, great amount of quality designers there hmm. um so i kind of i put the illustration to one side and i put everything else that i was doing and i just said to myself like give it three weeks i was managing the aerial account or design lead on that okay if it works if people like my work i like their work i'll just keep running with this mm-hmm. um and that turned into nearly nearly a two-year a freelance gig at Saatchi. Um, wow. well, yeah. And that, that everything changed over those two years because I did, I stopped the illustration really, um, worked, Yeah, Yeah. learned so much mm. from some of the best guys and best creatives, best designers that I've worked with. It was fantastic. Um, worked on some cool shit and some not so cool stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah, kind of finished up
0: there. Ooh, I can't remember now. Yeah, a little so, while back. So did you, um, so you you went in as an art director and, and stayed there as an art director, or did you go in a, a, at a lower tier, or?
1: No, I went in as an illustrator, really. But oh, as okay. a, an illustrator, as a, kind of, well, I went in, in my head, what I did, what I told people I did was that I was an illustrator. Yeah. actually what I really was, was a senior designer, to be honest, at this point. yeah. And, um, it took working at Saatchi for me to realize that I preferred working in design to working in illustration. Mm-hmm. And then when it came to it, when there were campaigns that I needed to di- start directing people, well, first of all, I realized I'd already done it. Oh. And second all, because I think because of my background as, um, as an illustrator, I've worked with creative directors and art directors for so many years anyway, that it just felt really natural to Mm. be able to direct people. Um, And it went from there really. We, you know, we, we integrated the team. We were in the print team and ended up integrating into digital. And They had a lot of really good young talent there. So I was able to work with those guys and give them tips and quite frankly they were able to give me a lot of tips
0: as well <laughs> i didn't know um yeah it just developed really uh, that's crazy yeah, yeah. Cause, so would you say the your time at sachi and sachi w- was uh sort of springboarded you into the industry because it, <laughs> it kind of went from when i was looking at the the sort of stuff that you've done it was just like sachi and then you know it just kept on getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then we got to google and i was just, i just do you feel that there was a turning point within the career? Would you say that was Saatchi and Saatchi where you sort of realized, you know? Um, yes and no. I mean, like I said, I mean, I'd worked with so
1: many big brands before Saatchi um, mm. came along. Uh, big agencies, big brands, you know, we'd done campaigns for HSBC at Grey. Uh, Lucasaid, worked on a bunch of that stuff. Um, did some Nike illustration, you know, like I, I've done some big stuff before that. Nice. So it, I, I don't necessarily feel that after Saatchi that's when my career took off or anything or was mm-hmm. recorded, but we did work, I did work on some amazing stuff there. And that was, I was able to use it, like the Olympics campaign, which I worked on with um, the head of design and a fantastic creative team who are good mates in mind um yeah. you know all that sort of stuff if you use it in the right way then that can help springboard and i think specifically the the olympic stuff helped um get me some of my first speaking gigs uh, yeah. because it's just one of those jobs isn't it you know we talk about um lance wyman and the 66 olympics that that, that built his career mm-hmm. you know graphic designers that are related to the, Olymp- the olympics it, People talk about that shit. and um, For better or for worse, you know, we could talk about the Wolf Ollins 2012 Olympics, which I particularly love. Yeah. Um, obviously, people didn't. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think being there and learning from those guys uh, helped me develop. I developed a lot and, and realized the next stage of my
0: career, which was setting up my own studio. Um, yeah, so... And- the i mean the the work on your your site is is crazy um one project that really stood out for me and really shown off your uh, your illustration skills for me personally was the coke the stuff you did for coca cola oh, yeah. um yeah. that i feel when i was looking at your illustration it kind of felt like you had you would definitely got your style. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think it's what a lot of illustrators do, but it's really, really hard to get. I've tried it in the past. I've tried with digital art to try and nail a specific style that when you're creating more than one piece of content, you can look at it. You don't even know who the artist is, but you know, well, no, you look at it and think, oh, I know who the artist of that illustration is. No one has to tell you. And I think to have a style like that, is is what makes you so credible as an illustrator and yeah so there was that and there was the the cover for computer arts that you oh did. yeah that's going back so
1: yeah yeah, that, that was, was awesome
0: though man that was so cool
1: thanks very much yeah um,
0: um
1: it, yeah that was definitely that was actually uh both of those projects were done whilst i was at sachi um the coke okay. was it was being done whilst i first joined there because i remember sort of showing that to people there and being really excited and then yeah computer arts i mean i've worked with computer arts since i started um i feel very lucky to have been able to do that um mm. i remember uh, when i got my first editorial there for a, a tutorial um walking into the pub the sort of local pub in the town that i was living in buzzing you know like i can't believe i've been asked to do this yeah this is a magazine i've read since i was like 15 and um telling my mates and Yeah, no one in this Surrey pub gave a fuck about what computer arts was, or and I was so upset. I'd laugh for God's sake, Um, but yeah, yeah, the computer arts stuff—they've—they've been great and very supportive of my work over the years. Um, I think you know they're in their kind of next phase now because they've got creative block and they've sort of moved on. But Mm. um, yes, I mean that 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 cover was. Yeah, definitely it felt like a career highlight at the time because, you know, just for me, for my own personal career. Oh, it, man, oh, absolutely. That's yeah. achieving it in itself, isn't it? It feels like, it felt like it, yeah. And it, it was out of the blue as well because I kind of felt like I'd, by that point, I guess with a lot of editorial, they want to they wanna search for the new and trendy thing. And by this point, I was like, over the hill <laughs> I was like 26 27 or and uh you know they wanted to write about cool shit but um yeah so it was amazing to be asked to do that and and same with coke you know that was that was the kind of coke 100 stuff they asked a lot of different illustrators and creatives to basically use the bottle mm. yeah it was a simple piece wasn't any money in it but to be able to do that and celebrate that
0: Yeah, man. I'm a massive fan. I really am. Uh, All all the work you've done is awesome. Um, Might be worth plugging the website while we're at it. You can find all the work at middleboop.com. How did you come up with that name Middle Boop?
1: Oh, it was... um, I've been asked that a lot lately, actually. Well, people have always asked me that because it's a weird name, but um, uh, I've never... There's never been a particularly humorous anecdote, but it was just... So I started it actually with a friend of mine From uni, Mm -hmm. and then he very quickly we we did uh, exhibitions around Brick Lane when Brick Lane had an art scene. Um, I mean, it still does, but you know, it used to be great. Used to all the way up Redchurch Street and Brick Lane. There were these little galleries, and every the first Thursday of every month, they'd have a new show and have free beer, and it was the best time because you could just go up get well get pissed for free first of all. Uh, and then meet loads of really good creatives that, that are still, I mean, that scene brought out so many good uh, creative talent. Like, you know I mean, I'm trying to think, Cy Scott, Kate Moros, wow. um, all of those guys were involved in that quite heavily, different shows, different artworks. Um, there's hundreds more as well. Um, and where was I going with this? I've gone off topic, I've forgotten what I was talking about. <laughs> um no it we talking was about that? middle boob oh yeah that's all oh, the name yeah, yeah so so we, the name, we, how we did that come about in, um in a couple of uh, exhibitions up there yeah and then he uh the, the, this guy kind of we parted ways and he got a job at adidas and did his thing and i'm, I'm totally fine with that <laughs> um, and uh but the name was just it was an in joke from we were at a festival. My friends used to run this festival called All Tomorrow's Parties. And um, it was, they'd, long story short, they'd book a load of bands to play at Butlins. Cool. And the, the idea was that you'd have a room and you'd go down and you could see like Iggy Pop and Nick Cave. Um, but you could also have a reasonably good night's sleep in this chalet um and we were down there and we just uh, it was like an in joke a couple of in jokes and we put the name together and it was very late into the night and we decided to come up with his name and it, it just stuck really um so it, awesome. uh, but people you know the reason why we did it was because people would ask that question like what's this about you know there's a bit of an intrigue there yeah and so um we could get
0: to the top of Google without too much fuss because <laughs> nice. why would nice yeah yeah, that definitely helps uh, with the SEO if you've got an original name I went through a stage a few years back where I was heavily into SEO and I was trying to get my page at like rank number one within Torbay the area I was in and I did it but I think SEO has changed a lot since I was trying to mess with all that sort of stuff uh, so d can you talk to me a bit about that? You're a judge, uh, judging the Black Pencil Award?
1: Yeah, I've done uh, Black Pencil, Yellow Pencil uh, last couple of years. I've been involved with the NAD maybe three years now, maybe three or four years. Um, I worked on their um, shift program two years ago, which was fantastic, um, which is where they essentially get young people who can't, Getting to uni don't have the, the the amount or the ability to be able to get to university, hmm. but really have that drive and passion to want to have a career in the creative industry. So we work with those guys. And uh, I mean, it's uh, that was really brilliant. It's, it's brilliant now because some of the guys like this, this lad, Nate, who actually lives up the road from me he had a great idea at the time and he just is a cheeky little lad and you just knew he was going to do well. Mm. Um, and now he works for Nike, Shit. but he's like, I think he manages Nike's social output on Instagram or it's unbelievable. Like wow. and he doesn't work. Um, so hopefully he'll
0: get me some work. It's like you know, <laughs> wisdom. Um, so do you remember the project that, that he was working on?
1: Oh, it was, um, what was it now? It was an app of some kind, like a bar app or something. It needed a bit of work when I was working with him on it, yeah. um, which I'm sure he ended up doing. But uh, I remember it being quite clever. And but it was also how he uh, how he handled himself. Mm. And you know, he stayed in contact with me. He wasn't too pushy. He just he knew how to work that he had to work it yeah and he, was, he, he is a smart guy so it's people like that that stand out and a dnad is i mean again it's another it's like computer arts you know i remember going to dnad lectures 12 13 years ago and being nervous as fuck to try and meet a designer just mm. done a talk there and Actually, I remember that it was quite a bit of a more of a sort of stuffy institution back then. They've done a lot of work over the last, I don't know, however many years to make it not like that and make it open to mm. everyone. And it's, it's, you know, with the festival, it's become a much bigger thing. But yeah, um, yeah I remember thinking like, this is not something I'll be involved
0: with. And there um, no, you are. Yeah
1: yeah now i am yeah and uh, you know i'm sure they're sorry about that but
0: uh no they're cool it, i am um, i did some portfolio reviews uh sort of oh, two, yeah. two years in a row with them uh not last year the year before and then the year before that
1: they're and, good following.
0: i've done some of those before, yeah, yeah they're really good it just i was saying this to someone else the other day it, whenever i'm looking at a student's work like within the last five years, it just makes me reevaluate my whole portfolio, and it's just like wow, yeah. the, the level of of talent is just through the roof these days. Oh, completely, yeah. You learn a lot from those guys. Mm. Um, it, it's amazing, but you know, even at
1: Ravensbourne and and kind of everything that I've done, um, w- when you're working with that level of young talent quality, yeah, it, it, you definitely have to take a step back and go, okay, this is. Yeah, I need to think about things here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna, there's gonna be a few listeners who are hoping to maybe enter a DNA enter D award, and I just wanted to get a question in for them. So, okay. if someone was to enter uh, for DNA D or Creative Circle, uh, what is it that separates the good from the awesome? Okay.
1: I like to say it's uh, a clever idea, a well thought-out idea that's been also executed exceptionally well, and it's as simple as that, really. It's it's got to be an idea that I think, oh, actually, that's that's pretty good, but then you've got to have the execution to back it up. Um, and I've, I've found that are oh, so many so many guys and bits of work that you see and you it's a great idea, or it's the beginning of an idea that in, you know, with a month's more work could really be manifest into something. Mm -hmm. But the execution's poor. They've let themselves down there, or vice versa. You've got something that looks really slick, but the idea (laughs) has been done before. And it's, you know, it's hard because these, you know, they're young guys, they're taking their first steps, and, you know, they've got this far to the fact that, Someone like people like us are actually judging their work, which is you know more than I got when I was their age um but yeah, I think you know if you're to win certainly like a yellow pencil black pencil it's it's gotta be the full ticket I mean black pencils a whole other world apart from that you know black pencils like game changing stuff mm. like, like things that make fucking Mark Denton fall off his chair, kind of thing. You know well, I mean, that's the difference
0: between them maybe getting a job and not getting a job, right?
1: Well yeah, I mean, if you get a black pencil you' you don't even need that black pencil to get you a job because you're already a clever, clever smart fucker, so that's fine
0: yeah, man. But, um, do you think there's any sort of habits or uh sort of bad cliches to watch out for? I remember when I was doing some portfolio reviews it, it, I don't know whether it was a, it was a trend. Within design at this at this time, but it seemed like everyone was creating uh, mock-ups So there was these websites like mock-up PSDs, and where they would take their logo and put it on a sign, and it would mock it up to make it look like it's on the sign, which was great because it gives you an idea of how the how the design looks in situ. In situ. But at the same time, I I seen it everywhere. I seen it absolutely everywhere, and it just it didn't it didn't separate. There wasn't no a separation there. Do you know what I mean between something i had seen and something i hadn't and i I felt as though that's what i was lacking i was lacking that wow you know this is different i hadn't seen this before so just yeah so going back to the question do you think there's any sort of cliches or bad habits to watch out for
1: yeah i mean it's mock-ups are are an interesting topic really because we all use them sagmeister uses them yeah everyone does but Mm -hmm. it's it's how you use them and it's how you you know if a client's got budget to do a shoot, and you do a shoot, and you shoot everything, you build everything, you plan it properly, and then you shoot it, and it, the, you're never going to get the quality of a shoot with a with a mock up, and that's just the way it is. But if you're, you know, if you're doing a job and they don't want to spend on it, or they haven't got the budget, so then you don't want to spend it, mm. and you want to do a case study of the project, then you've got to do a mock up really. And I think anything anything like a client pitch or something like that or or if you're just trying to sell in ideas then it you just do it because mm. it's quick and easy but i know what you mean with students that do mock-ups and i remember again with Ravensbourne uh going down there and i just yeah it is a bad habit and i was trying to grind people out of it because there was i remember there's this particular project these kids did a, a bit of work for john lewis through the dna Brand and uh, uh, brief. Hmm. And it just, yeah, it just didn't look, it was quite a nice idea actually. And I was saying, this is the time. You know, you've got photography studios, you can shoot it yourself and treat the images. You've got time, you've got the means to do it. Next time I see you, I I don't want to see these mock ups of products. I want to see you, but you know, get some products, get some, you know, get your label printed out. It's simple, but Hmm. the quality looks so much better. And that'll be the difference. But it's easy isn't it it's
0: too easy that's the thing i mean i think i think it's a um it, it's the mindset that you're in as well whilst you're sort of in education and it, it's hard when there's so much going on around you at uni and it's hard for you to stay focused for one and really concentrate on you know the six-week modules or whatever it is that you've got to work on a project and yeah it's tricky there's a lot going on and it's kind of like now we've moved into this sort of digital world you could create you could create a a brand with sub brands and sub brands of those sub brands and you could display it on an ipad you could display all of it on an ipad and i know what you be i know what you mean about having like actually creating something and there's something quite nice they're still quite nice about having something handheld and holding something, whether that be packaging or whether it just be a really well-thought uh, concertina uh, or leaflet or a booklet or a piece of editorial or something. I think it's important not to lose that. Um, I think it's important not to stay too digital heavy and just still have that element of, of print and different mediums as
1: well. Uh-huh. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's, um, but, but I think because, because so many people don't do that, um, you know, I mean, I get, I don't know, on average, I'll probably get maybe 20 emails a week from budding designers or illustrators or artists of some kind who want to work with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll probably get one print sent through the post. Wow. Maybe every two weeks. Um, and and that's the way it is so already i mean for me because the way i did it, and it sounds like the way you do it too is yeah because well, we're designers at the end of the day we're creatives we want something to be sent to us or to be sent out with you can open and fold up and mm. you know, it smells nice it looks good there's a good texture to it mm. um that's that's never gonna die that's the, but now there's a great opportunity if you're a young creative to kind of to jump on top of that pile because you're not being sent. Mm. People aren't being sent as much stuff. It's like, I remember Sean Musgrove, the uh, head of resourcing at, at Grey, who's still, I think he's still there. We were chatting, I mean, this was like six years ago. I said, he was getting sent some really nice stuff in the post and uh, I was like, mate, it must be pretty nice to get sent all the, you know, like branded mm. chocolate from, illustrators and all some cool shit and he was like yeah it's good um but you know years before this i'd probably get triple the amount of stuff um but i remember at the time he got sent uh this really nice beautiful bit of type work really simple type work. i can't remember the studio but that studio ended up doing a massive global campaign for lucasate wow and it's no coincidence that They'd sent it to the right guy and yeah. he kept that work on his desk and he liked it. So when LucasAid, do you remember the work that was really simple, stripped back, uh, bright colors? It just had the illustrated LucasAid bottle. I
0: don't even think it had a logo on it. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember some sort of landscape sort of design that literally just had the, the logo type of LucasAid in like yellow or something. I'm not sure whether that's the same one or
1: maybe sure. yeah it was sure. all flat, flat vector really graphic it was lovely like a great a really bold move for lucas a because you know their stuff before was 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 pretty ugly mm. at the best of times um so to be able to do that campaigning for it to do really well was fantastic but those guys got the work so, so
0: it's oh, about yeah. sort of going that extra mile really isn't it and just setting yourself apart from uh, the the average designer i guess there was um have you Uh, heard of a company called social chain never heard of them no they're um a social media agency they've got offices in like manchester london and everything and they're sort of like they're just really on their game they just they just know their shit like i i follow them to look out for inspiration and what's trending and different ratios of different types of content and i'm gonna um, get
1: off now i'm gonna check them out
0: yeah, they're they're really good, man. They've got some um, they've got some decent content and explainers online how to do things, what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing. I, I was watching some of the some of the content social, uh, social chain put out, and there was if they had a few applications for uh, social media specialists or, or someone to work within the team, and the the job applications uh, or the CVs that the that they sent were just it, 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 they were so different to the traditional sort of CV I think they were saying one guy had an owl or <laughs> or something and they wrapped their USB around its around its ankle the ankle of the bird and they yeah. sent it they sent it through social chain's window
1: oh I feel like I've heard of that
0: I swear I swear it was social chain it, yeah I feel but, like I've heard of that before that idea again just just sort of going the extra mile I think oh. It completely going that extra
1: mile is is, is not going to go unnoticed mm. um, with with whatever whatever you do. I mean, you know, I feel very lucky that um, any any kind of opportunities that I've had, certainly early on, um, have just come f- through word of mouth. You know, and I kind of you know jumped on the infographic chain and managed to get into advertising through there. So I never really had these big, uh, experiential, uh, you know, you get an orchestra outside bloody JWT's office and play a song or anything like that. Um, mm. you know, thankfully it was word of mouth, but yeah, if you're having trouble, not having trouble getting noticed, then having just something that's bold and cheeky and clever, you're always going to stand out. Mm you know for better or for worse yeah
0: um, I, I think that's a I think that's yeah. a great way to put it and like cheek just being bold and cheeky and sort of recognize the, the industry that you're in you know you're in a creative industry where creatives don't really think like other other sort of people like you wouldn't necessarily go to uh, a job for a designer dressed in a three-piece suit you know they can take risks and they can be a bit cheeky with things you and- want to see that
1: shit you, want to, you know i don't want when i'm hiring someone I, I don't want to see just a portfolio of safe uni work you know tight layouts and stuff i want to see your passion for the industry i want to see your drive Yeah, man. because i want to work with people that, that will then inspire me to to do better work think of better ideas i don't, I don't want to hire someone who's just ticking the boxes yeah man. exactly man yeah i I always say that to people you know i I say that to people all the time that that ask me about this stuff it's like you know guys that will send me portfolios and it's it's like just do more i did more and and that's how i got somewhere i did zines i did we did prints all this sort of stuff stuff that we love doing you know it didn't feel like work because it was work it was stuff that we wanted to do and I think a lot of people say that you know, do what you love, mm. and then the money will come later. You know, if you keep honing your style, refining what you're doing, and keep churning out stuff, keep producing stuff. I mean, my friend uh, Mason London, who's a, a great illustrator, we yeah, he's been doing he's been doing amazing work for years, and just literally, I mean, you know, this is nothing to peg his career on, but. I mean I think like a week ago I saw on his Instagram we he had about sort of 11,000 followers similar to me. Mm-hmm. Um and he posted this bit of work which is is beautiful but I would say it's no different to a lot of the other beautiful work on his site but it's just that particular one got picked up by a couple of people the bigger bigger influencers on on social. Yeah. And then I looked at his work yesterday and he's got like 17,000 followers. So, so just from this one post, wow, which is amazing. It's beautiful work, but so that was
0: just on Instagram as well.
1: Yeah, just on Instagram. Yeah, it just kept getting picked up and picked up, and I mean, yeah. It so it it just goes to show that even if you feel even if you've got this one thing, you've just got to keep going, keep Mm. working, refining, um, because you just never know what piece is going to connect with more people. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, I've done stuff where I've put it out thinking like I was happy with it, but I didn't think it would go anywhere. And then it's gone somewhere, you know, got picked up on Behance or or on a blog or a site or a magazine. And then you'll do a piece and you think, yeah, this is the one like, you know, this people are going to be writing about this for Mm. years. And then no one gives a fuck about it. So (laughs) you can never quite tell what people, uh, connect to and how they're
0: going to connect to it hmm. yeah it's interesting isn't it I think it, I think it goes down to the like the, it comes down to the fact that there is no right or wrong in design and everything that you do is based on an educated opinion you know it's, yeah. not, it's not like accounting like where there's a, where numbers are involved and 2 plus 2 equals 4 and that enforces the answer with design there is no right or wrong and I think that's what makes it hard for designers. And I think that's sometimes what makes it so hard is uh, so hard for designers to work with clients because some clients don't don't get that because there's no right or wrong way to do something. Why should they be valuing your opinion over theirs? Do you know what I mean? Well, clients hate
1: that shit. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a constant battle. Mm. You can explain the process as much as possible, um, but it's uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I do a lot of work with Middle Boot. You know, I do a lot of work with. Before any artwork has started, we we spend a long time immersing ourselves in in what the clients are doing. So mm-hmm. it's if it's a branding or a rebrand thing, we're reimagining that that positioning and that culture goes along with it. Yeah. We do a lot of work to get to then that next stage where we actually start creating work. Mm -hmm. Um, And even that's quite a hard selling to a lot of clients because, you know, they'll be at a point where they're like, Oh, I want our rebrand in two weeks and I want to see some logos and all this stuff. And it's the the first sell is always the hardest one. And it's always when you're, um, when you're saying actually the the amount of work that we need to do to really get to know you guys Mm. on various different levels is is so much in the research it's all so important to to the final outcome yeah uh, yeah and so especially agency you know a lot of people they, they feel like they want a logo but they might want a logo but they really need so much more they'll need oh, yeah. a whole a whole strategy and a whole mm. plan you know um so it's uh yeah it's it's, working with clients is is quite tough because you've just got to convince them yeah but i feel like i'm quite a convincing guy so i feel like i'm usually all right in doing that well
0: that that's like an art in itself isn't it to sort of selling your idea and oh yeah and making sure that it lands as well like making sure the customer making sure that they're on board with what you're saying and that they're feeling what you're feeling and the reasoning behind it, because sometimes it can be a hard sell, I think, especially when you look at some of the rebrands that have happened over the last five years. Like, it, I'm not sure, I don't want to badmouth any agencies or whatever, but there's been a, f- a few out there that have sort of created a, let's just take the logo for instance, and they've simplified it massively. And well not massively literally they've gone from a a serif logo to a sans sans serif logo and it's the classic at the moment isn't it it's just a
1: trend it's the um, you know I guess design studio were a bit of a pioneer of of doing that with various brands that they worked on and it worked fantastically for them Premier League Airbnb Mm. but because of the success of those now every other brand wants that sort of style I mean the amount of uh sort of lookbooks or pdfs i'll get from brands that will say we want to look like this yeah it's like well that's that's cool because it is cool and it looks great and i still think airbnb looks good and i love i love the whole theory behind that mm. whatever that fucking thing's called like, uh, but um it's like it's, a heart
0: and a location pit Oh, that's
1: it. Yeah, it's it's the five points. It, you know, it's clever. It works. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But it can't be like that for every brand because how boring would the world be if every brand had a had a serif font, sans serif font, and a and a pink mm. background and stuff? So it's, it, yeah, it, it's just a trend at the moment. Um, you know, there's loads of trends. I mean, what the the trend I've seen right now is there's all these because there's some particular product has been made legal. Now there's loads of these erectile dysfunction brands coming out. There's loads <laughs> of them. And they all look exactly the same. I didn't, I keep, I didn't know. I that. Got, yeah. I got asked to do one. There's one, um, so Callum, uh, the young guy that works for me, he works, he's working with one of them as a freelance project, not, not through middle boot Right. And then I got contacted to work on another one, which just launched. Um, But all the branding had been done by a studio, another studio, Uh, it wasn't, yeah. We get these jobs sometimes where like, they've spent all their money on a design studio already, branding them, and Mm. then they'll come to us and be like, yeah, so we've got like 500 quid and we need the brand rolling out. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes those jobs are okay, if there's a bit of a budget, definitely, but Mm. I'm not doing someone else's dirty work. but yeah, so, so there's like five or six of these brands, and the art direction's all the same, the photography style's the same, kind of the logos and the copy is all the same. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, fine. You know, if someone calls me up tomorrow and they, they need another one, I'll, I'll give them some ideas. It won't be that, because it's been done. But yeah, there's always a trend. There's always some kind of trend that comes about.
0: Hmm. Um, yeah, it, re- it reminds me of... Uh, do you remember... Oh, it was probably about 10 years ago now, when Google sort of got rid of the, got rid of the serifs on their logo and they cleaned things yeah. up and they got rid of the drop shadow and the bevel and they went minimal. And I think it was around about that time where they overtook Yahoo. Classic
1: example, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: and it, it, it's sort of like, we they're sort of setting the bar, but not only setting the bar, they're paving the way for how design should be. and yeah. Because that's what we that's what we look at most, you know, like, places like Google, we're on there all the time where we're using the product and making decisions subconsciously. So I think we just form an opinion around that without knowing that we formed an opinion around it. So we just assume that everything should look like this. Do you know what I mean?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Mm. It was like a, a classic example. I mean, they've yeah, they've, they've gone more minimal and yeah, you know, it looks good for them. But just because it looks good for Google doesn't mean it will look good for every Tom, Dick and Harry brand that will <laughs> be coming out. Um, exactly. that's here and they've done that and you've got to think of your own idea for your own brand. There's no point if your brand hasn't got the personality to look like anything new, then how, how are you going to convince people to buy into your idea?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if it just looks like something else, it, it doesn't really, doesn't really sit well with me but um yeah but i i'm really enjoying this conversation so i wonder if we could even carry on uh talking about i'm happy to talk about more stuff just um
0: we'll definitely do it again mate absolutely i'm I'm keen i'm more than keen to do it again i think yeah what we were touching on there is is a really interesting subject and i think that's probably an episode in itself